Thank you for listening to the One City Church Podcast. We hope this resource inspires you and equips you to walk in everything that God has for you. After the fall, when men discovered fire and they discovered how to control it, it marked a turning point in their lives. We understand the advantages of fire, heat and light, protection, preparing food. When man discovered fire after the fall, this was a marked, this brought about a marked change in his life. Religions became the guardians of fire and sanctuaries were created in which a perpetual flame was maintained. In Leviticus chapter 6, God informed Israel, instructed them that the fire must be kept burning on the altar continuously. It must not go out. I want you to notice those words. It must not go out. The continuous burning The divine fire on the altar served to remind Israel of the reality of God's presence and of their need for him. We speak often of this church being presence-driven, that we're a church that is sensitive to the Holy Spirit, and we invite him at any given moment to interrupt our service and to take control. Presence-driven, purpose-focused. That's who we are as a people. We understand how important it is that the fire is continuously burning. Not only on the altar of this church, but on the altar of our hearts. That fire must never go out. 2020, it may be remembered as the burnout year. Remember all the things that we went through it may very well be remembered as the burn out year. Romans chapter 12 and verse 11, Paul said, but don't burn out. Keep yourself fueled and keep yourself aflame. Notice that. Make sure that you keep yourself fueled. That's why church is so important. That's why we need the experience of congregational worship. You can worship at home. You can worship in your car. I do. But there's a dynamic that can only be captured in a moment like this. Congregation. You can read the word. You can study the word. But there's a dynamic. There's a power when you sit underneath the preaching of the word. Through the foolishness of preaching, he chose to save men. I was saved, I'm being saved, and I shall be saved. I'm constantly being washed by the preaching of the word. And so we desperately need this moment. We need this to be fueled and to keep keep that flame alive. So here's the fact. We will either burn up for him or we'll burn out. And that's what we have to decide. Will I burn up or will I burn out? Let's title this The Rediscovery of Fire. Pray with me. Father, we thank you for the reading of your word. We ask for the anointing that it makes all the difference in the world. Holy Spirit, we appreciate the logos, but we're looking for a rhema word. 
We're looking for more than just a message. We're looking for a moment, a moment with you. I pray that the fire of God would be rediscovered by your people. I pray that the fire on, our, on the altar of our hearts would be reignited. I pray for today that this would be an encounter, an encounter with the fire of God for 2020 surely will be remembered as the year of burnout. I pray it in Christ's name and everybody said amen. amen. Let's talk for just a minute about fire suppression. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 19, the apostle said, never restrain or put out the fire of Holy Spirit. I've said to you many times that there's a lot of pressure today on pastors and churches to suppress the fire of God, to suppress Holy Spirit in order to grow our churches and to be more attractive and more inviting and more inclusive and welcoming, we have a tendency to want to dismiss Holy Spirit from our services for fear it would frighten people. The manifestations of Holy Spirit have been just relegated to the back room. Altars, not just physically, but spiritually have been removed from our churches. We no longer invite people to the altar to have an encounter with Jesus Christ. Very few pastors anymore lay hands on people and, and do what we call impartation, where there's an imparting of Holy Spirit and the anointing that breaks the yoke. That's the trend that's in this nation today. We suppress. There are two basic types of fire suppression. The first one is the application of water and or chemicals. Water puts out the fire by creating a barrier between the fuel source, let's say the wood, and the oxygen source, oxygen that fire requires. It also has a cooling effect, removing the heat and thus putting out the fire, creating a barrier and removing the heat. Think of that. We're talking about fire suppression. We're talking about suppressing the fire that burns on the altar of our hearts, putting out the fire, suppressing the fire of God. Questions that must be asked, is there a barrier between me and Holy Spirit? Is there a barrier between me, the fuel source, and Holy Spirit, the breath of God? The fire on the altar of my heart requires oxygen. Fire will will not burn without it. And the fire that's on the altar of my heart will not burn without the breath. In the Old Testament, it's called the Ruach HaKodesh in Hebrew. It's the holy breath of God. The fire on the altar of my heart will not burn without the oxygen of Holy Spirit, without his breath. Moses spoke to God face to face. Jesus breathed upon the disciples and said, receive the Holy Spirit. We have to have the breath of God. And speaking about mentoring and working with uh, young people, I've said to you before that the, uh, the identity of a son is shaped by the breath of his father. The identity of a daughter is shaped by the breath of her father. To speak to God face to face, 
to understand who he is so I can understand who I am. That's why we speak this year about connecting to God and getting a new revelation of who he is so I can have a revelation of my sonship. I can only truly understand who I am by understanding who he is because I was created in his image. A new revelation of who he is, a new revelation of who I am. And then we're able to connect with each other. He said there's a barrier between the fuel source and the oxygen. Is there a barrier between me and Holy Spirit? Are there things, habits, addictions, relationships, people? Are there things that have come in between me and Holy Spirit? Are there things that are keeping me separated from him? The Bible says to lay aside every weight that so easily besets you. To lay it aside. That's why the Bible says sin does separate. It causes a separation. Is there a barrier between me and Holy Spirit? Is there something that's keeping me from him? That's keeping me separated? Is there something that's cutting off that oxygen supply? Questions we must ask. Have we lost the passion of our testimony? He said in 1 Thessalonians 5, do not restrain, do not suppress the fire of Holy Spirit. Don't suppress it by allowing a barrier to come between you and him, a barrier. Don't suppress it by allowing things to creep into your life that would put out the heat, that would take away the heat of that fire. Have we lost the passion of our testimony? Have we lost that heat of our testimony? Do you remember when you first got saved? When God turned your story into a testimony. And suddenly you were sharing that testimony with everyone everywhere. And there was a passion about your testimony. There was a fire to your testimony. Your testimony was intoxicating. People would just listen to you. People were just caught up in your testimony. It was intoxicating to listen to your story that had been turned into a testimony. In Isaiah chapter 1 and verse 22, we read, your, your wine, speaking of Israel, your wine is watered down. He was speaking of the people that had walked away from God. People that had lost their passion, that had lost their fire, that fire that burned in the pit of their, their, their stomach. Their wine that was intoxicating had become watered down. It was diluted. Has, our, has the passion of our testimony been diluted? Is my Pentecostal experience still intoxicating or has it been watered down? Is your wine is your wine diluted or is it still intoxicating? The wine that represents the spirit. Is your spirit still alive? Do you still testify with passion? Do you still sing with passion? Do you still preach with passion? Do you still teach with passion? Are you serving God with passion? Or do you, or, or are you just going through the mechanics of it? Jesus 
on the eighth day of tabernacles in the book of John. On the eighth day, when the high priest would go to the pool of Shalom and they would pull the water out and they would come into the tabernacle and they would pour the water around the altar. The Bible says that Jesus was standing there on that eighth day of tabernacles and he was watching the mechanics of the temple. He was watching them going through the mechanics and just like robots going through it, but they had lost their passion. And Jesus was watching them as they poured out the water and he took all he could take and he jumped up and he said, if any man thirst, let him come to me. And out of his innermost being will flow these living waters that you're longing for. Are we going through just the mechanics of church? Have we lost the passion? Has our wine, has our Pentecostal experience been diluted by this life? Is there a barrier between me and Holy Spirit where the oxygen, the breath of God has been cut off? Has this world, this world diluted me to where it's taken the heat out of my fire, the heat out of my testimony? Do I go into the marketplace, market basket, Kroger, Walmart, do I find myself looking for opportunities to share my testimony with people? Do I look for moments in the marketplace, in the, in the lunchroom or at, at the coffee counter in the break room? Do I look for opportunities to share my testimony? Am I moved with compassion for humanity? Am I moved with passion for Jesus and what he brings to this world. Has the fire on the altar of my heart, has the heat of it been taken out because my testimony has been diluted by the water of this world? Think of it, fire suppression. In John chapter two, everyone brings out the choice wine. First, Jesus, or the, 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 the guest at the wedding, they bring out the choice wine first, and then the cheaper wine is after the guests have had too much to drink. But he said, you, to the host, he said, you have saved the best until now. Jesus turning water into wine because they had run out. And the best was saved for the last. I want to say to everyone in this room and those watching online that God saves the best till last. Understand that experience and wisdom creates the most intoxicating wine. Your best days are still in front of you. I refuse to accept this statement. I refuse, I refuse to accept it. That when we first get saved, we're passionate, we're on fire, we're, we're, we're full of life and then we're excited and we can't help but share our, our testimony and we, we love God and we get to church early and we stay late and we volunteer for everything and we work, work, work. But over time, we mature and we calm down 
and we settle down and we lose that. We watch people come up front as they, 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 they dance or, or they, they drop to their knees or they fall prostrate before God. And we say, oh, look at those young new converts and how passionate they are. But over time, they will calm down. I hope they don't because God saves the best for last. My best wine is still in front of me. My most intoxicating wine is still in front of me. I'm telling you guys, I'm telling you, I don't have to just burn out. I'm telling you, I can burn up by the consuming fire of God's presence. I challenge you today, your best wine is still in front of you. He saves the best for last. I hope when I'm 80, 90 years old. A couple of years back, Justin and I and Jude were snow skiing in Breckenridge. We got to the top of the mountain and I saw this elderly man get off. And on the back, on his back was a sign that says, today I'm 91. And he's fixing to scream down that mountain. I told Justin, I said, that's me. When I'm 91, I'm going to the top of the mountain. I may not make it down, but I'm going up. Because my best days are still in front of me. My best wine is out of hell. I've yet to preach my best message. I've yet to see my greatest miracle. My best wine is in front of me. Because God saves the best for last. Fire suppression. The application of water are the chemicals of this world that creates a barrier between me and Holy Spirit and that takes the heat out of my testimony. Number two, reduction of oxygen. Understanding fire, you have to understand the fire triangle. For fire to work, it needs fuel, heat, and oxygen. The fire triangle. Fire requires oxygen to stay alive. It is possible to distinguish a fire by suffocating it and thus preventing combustion from taking place. That's why they have what's called a fire blanket. They can take a blanket and throw it over a fire and suffocate it. That's why with a grease fire in the kitchen, the ladies know don't pour water on it, you'll spread it, but take a, uh, take a towel or a rag and throw over the top of it and thus suffocate it. Suffocation, cutting off oxygen will put out the fire. You have to understand that fire is the result of your reaction with Holy Spirit. When we react with him, fire takes place. In John chapter 20, verse 22, then taking a deep breath, taking a deep breath. I want you to remember that to the end of this message. Jesus then taking a deep breath, he blew on the disciples and he said, receive the Holy Spirit. And Acts chapter 2, verses 2 and 3, the day of Pentecost, after this experience with Jesus, we find that suddenly a sound like the blowing, the blowing that took place in John chapter 20, 22, a blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. I want your mind to think John 20. Jesus took a deep breath and then he released it. And he said, receive the Holy Spirit. And then 
in Acts chapter 2 on the day of Pentecost, then we see that the fire began to fall on them. Jesus blew on them. And John chapter 20, in the embers of Pentecostal fire, fell on them in Acts chapter 2. He blew on them in Acts chapter, in John chapter 20, but it fell on them in Acts chapter 2. Jesus took a deep breath and he blew upon them and said receive the Holy Spirit. The word embers in our dictionary means the remains of fire and or passion. Jesus took that fire and that passion that he had and he released it upon them. That's why we believe in the altar, an encounter, an impartation. That's why we come to this, this altar because we believe that you can breathe on people. You can lay hands on people. You can impart something to people. You can give to them the fire and the passion that you have inside of you. That's why we believe in an altar because God wants us to impart something to men. He took a deep breath and he breathed. And those embers fell in Acts chapter 2. After everything we've been through. I just want to believe that the Father is getting ready to take a deep breath again. I just, I just want to believe when I go into prayer, when I begin to seek him, there's times I feel like I can hear him going. There are times when you come into a service like this and you can just hear the sound of the Father going. There's times whenever you're just in here, I'm in here by myself seeking him and I was up this morning before daylight. I got up before the sun came up and I was in my house praying and you can just hear that sound of the father's getting ready to take a deep breath again. And I just, I have to believe, I have to hope I have to believe that he's getting ready to breathe on the church again. And the embers of fire, the embers of fire will be released across this nation. And it's going to fall like tongues of fire upon God's people. It's time for the fire on the altar of our hearts to burn again. Fire suppression. We have to be careful. That we don't allow this world to take away the heat of our Pentecostal testimony. And we have to be careful that we don't allow this world to suffocate the breath of God. And we lose that oxygen. We lose the oxygen. His presence is oxygen to my soul. I remember during the Brownsville Revival, one of our favorite songs was Breathe. It... it it says, this is the air that I breathe. This is the air that I breathe. Can't live without it. Acts chapter 17, in him I live and I move and I have my being or my existence. My life occurs in his presence. I am, I become who I am in his presence. The best of me comes out in his presence. In him I live and I move. When he moves, I move. When he moves, I live. 
In him I live and I move and I find my existence, my reason for living, my purpose in life. Outside of that, why? Why? What's the purpose of life outside of him? In him I live and I move and I have my being. His presence is oxygen. It brings oxygen to the fire that burns on the altar of my heart. And we have to be careful that we don't suppress that fire by cutting off that oxygen. Let me speak to you for just a minute about the fire of God's presence. You have to understand the way fire works. Number one, it requires a source of heat. Light, friction, lightning can start a fire. Number two, material begins to break down. That's why you see smoke, okay? In the very beginning of a fire, as heat is beginning to break down the molecules of the material, it starts releasing heat, gases. It releases the smoke. And then suddenly, heat reacts to the oxygen. That's why you will blow on a fire. Many times at the, at the deer camp, at the deer lease, you'll we'll get down and build a fire and you'll, you'll just go, you'll blow on it because the heat will react to that oxygen and a combustion of fire is the result. It'll, it'll take off. Or you can cheat like we do and take lighter fluid and just throw a match on it. Breath. Combustion takes place. Leviticus chapter nine, verse 23, 24. Moses and Aaron then went into the tent of meeting. They got everything right with the tabernacle. They go into the tent. Don't know what happened. The Bible doesn't tell us. But they went into the tent. Everything's in place. Moses and Aaron, they go inside to be alone for a moment with him. They go into the meeting, the tent of meeting. And when they came out, they blessed the people. And the glory of the Lord, the smoke of God appeared to all the people. And then the Bible says, suddenly fire came out from the presence of the Lord and it consumed the burnt offering and the fat portions on the altar. And when all the people saw it, they shouted for joy and they fell face down. So I want you to see this. All the components of the, the fire triangle is here. There is that source of heat. There is the brokenness on the altar. And then suddenly there is a combustion that takes place. Out of that presence, out of that glory, the fire of God comes. You find Aaron and Moses, they get everything right. Then they go into the tent of meeting and they're alone with him for just a moment. They're alone with him. And then they come out and the smoke of God begins to settle down. And there's heat there's heat and suddenly heaven just breathes and and the fire of God there's a combustion there's a combustion and the fire of God begins to burn the people fall prostrate before him understand all the components are there all of them are there the brokenness on the altar all of it's there the heat and the oxygen all of it's there and so perhaps our brokenness will draw out the fire of God from his presence. You've got to see it in this story. 
They lay the sacrifice on the altar. The glory of God settles down. And out of that presence, the fire of God comes. The fire of God comes. If you'll study it in 2 Chronicles chapter 7, whenever Samuel dedicated the temple, the Bible makes it clear that he got everything set right. Got everything set right. And as with Moses and Aaron, the glory of God would settle down. And suddenly, out of the presence of God, the fire of God would reach down and consume the sacrifice. It consumes the brokenness. Understand, it's our brokenness that draws the fire of God out of his presence. Let, let the glory of God settle down in this room. And let the people of God, let them be moved by that. Broken. Repentive. Broken. And our brokenness will pull out the fire of God in his presence. It will pull it out. I've said to you before, I'm convinced that the initial sound of revival is the sound of brokenness as people are crying out to him, broken. The fire of God. Let's talk about the danger of this. Though. Fire is dangerous. You need to understand the danger of Pentecostal fire. I just want to warn you. I just, I just want to warn you. How many wants Pentecostal fire? How many wants the fire of God? How many wants an encounter with him? We want to see people get saved. We want to see people filled with the Holy Spirit. We want to see people healed and delivered. We want to see the drug addict set free, the al alcoholic made sober. We want, to, we want to see people come out of their addictions and be, and be free, to be free from the bondage of this world. We want that. It takes fire. Yes. But fire's dangerous. So let me just share that with you. The danger of Pentecostal fire. Number one, it's his abiding presence. Second... Second uh, Corinthians chapter six. What agreement is there between the temple of God and idols? For we are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will live with them, walk among them, and I will be their God and they will be my people. That comes out of the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, God told Israel, he said, I will walk among you. I will be your God. You will be my people. So he said, make sure that you keep your, your camp sanitized. He instructed Israel on, on how to deal with sanitation. How to deal with sanitation. To keep their camp clean. To keep their camp uh, sanitized. Because he said, when I walk among you, I will be offended by, by your, your, your lack of clean, cleanliness and sanitation. So he gave them instructions on how to do that. His presence that's why often here we talk about in our church and our homes and our places of business, we need to be careful what we allow to drift in, what we tolerate from this world, what we allow to be a part of our lives. Because we understand that we are different people, that we're set apart, we're sanctified 
unto him. And he walks among us. So I just want you to understand that if you want fire in your life, that you need to know that's abiding presence and he will be with you all the time. You need to understand that. And he said, what agreement is there with me in this world? So know this, Pentecostal fire will put you in conflict with the world. And you need to understand that. And you need to live with that conflict. Uh, you can't laugh at their jokes. You can't partake of their lifestyle. You can't chase after their whoredom. You, you have to take a position. Truth will always, excuse me, love will always tell the truth. It's not always popular to be a man or a woman of God and to walk in righteousness. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? There will be conflict. There will be conflict. You will, you will not always be in agreement. If you need everybody to like you, if you need to be in agreement with everybody, if you're a people pleaser, you're going to struggle with this. But if you're going to be a man or a woman that walks in his presence, that has the fire of God burning on the altar of your heart, if you're going to be a man or a woman that is spirit-led every day, if you're going to be a man or a woman that's sensitive to the Holy Spirit and he walks right beside you and he directs you in all you think, say, and do, if you're going to be that man or that woman, understand that you're going to be in conflict with this world. Number two. It's a burning passion. Luke chapter 24. Understand in the Bible when it describes God's presence, it uses fire. It talks about his presence. The fire represents his presence and fire represents passion. A burning passion. Luke 24. Didn't our hearts on the road to Emmaus burn with the flames of holy passion while we walked beside him? He unveiled for us this profound revelation from the scriptures, a burning passion. See, this is the problem with Pentecostal fire. Pentecostal fire is a burning passion. You see, Pentecostal fire will burn within you and then it will give you revelation. Pentecostal fire will change your passion and your perspective in life. You're going to feel different and you're going to see things different. You may not want this Pentecostal fire. You see, not only does fire represent his presence, but fire represents his passion. And when you're born again and you're filled with the Holy Spirit and God lays his hand on you, it will mess you up. It will mess with you. Everywhere you go, Everywhere you go, he's constantly on your, your mind. Wherever you go, you see the world differently. You see the news differently. You see people differently. Wherever you go, he messes with you. Wherever you go, wherever public places you go, Holy Spirit is always poking you and prodding you. And he's always messing with you. He won't leave you alone. He'll wake you up in the morning and say, get up, I need to talk to you. You'll be watching TV and something will be said or done that's just, it just, it's offensive to him. And so it's offensive to you, so you turn the channel. Other people will laugh at you. Other people will make fun of you. You're too rigid. You're too strict. You're ridiculous. You're too traditional. You're old-fashioned. They'll do that, see? They'll do that. You dress a certain way. You act a certain way. You talk a certain way. There are certain places you don't go. There are certain things you don't do. Why is that? Because of Pentecostal fire. It messed me up. This is not about heaven and hell for me. 
If you're still stuck in that, you're not ready for this. you got to get beyond that. I settled the hell thing years ago. I'm talking about walking in the presence of God. I'm talking about his abiding presence. I'm talking about his passion. To be filled with the Holy Spirit is not just so you can talk in tongues. The real miracle of Pentecost is not that you speak in tongues, but that God gives you something to say. That's the miracle. The real miracle of Pentecost, the real meaning of being filled with the Holy Spirit is that I feel like he feels. I think like he thinks. And I can do what he does. That's the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I moved with compassion for men. I think the thoughts of God. As Paul said, we have the mind of Christ. And I'm able to lay hands on people and break bands of wickedness off of them. That's the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Passion. It will turn your passion from the passion for this world to the passion for God's kingdom. It will mess you up. Fire represents his presence. It represents his passion. And it represents his purity. It's the refiner's fire. This is the danger of Pentecostal fire, the refiner's fire, Malachi 3. He will sit as a refiner and a purifier of silver. He will purify the sons of Levi and purge them as gold and silver that they may offer to the Lord an offering in righteousness. See, it's not enough that I just do church. It's not enough that I just preach a sermon. It's not enough that we just teach a class. We got to do it in righteousness. We got to do it the right way. Our church's services can't be just, a, it can't be about performance. It can't be about us. It's got to be about him. I'm going to study and I'm going to do my best. I'm going to do my best to deliver his word. But it has to be about the anointing. It has to be, I prepare myself because I'm so dependent upon him. We're going to get up here and do the best worship set we can possibly do. He deserves our best. He deserves excellence. But at the end of the day, it's not about performing for people. It's about entertaining the presence of God. That's what it's about. The refiner's fire. Pentecostal fire will purge and purify your life. That it may be a living sacrifice in righteousness. A living sacrifice. The refiner's fire. Hebrews 12, 29. For our God is a consuming fire. And see, this is where we are with this Pentecostal fire. He's a consuming fire. Fire represents his presence. It represents his passion. And it represents his purity. And it consumes us. It consumes us. Through my life, I've had, as I mentioned, people make fun of me. You're old-fashioned. You're too traditional. You're too rigid. You're too legalistic. You're too this. You're too that. Make fun of me. I won't go get up in a movie, get up in a theater, and walk, slap out. Get and walk out. Leave you sitting there. Do it. Make fun of me. Won't go certain places. Won't do certain things. And I don't impose my legalism on you. I Rephrase that. I don't impose my preferences and my personal convictions on other people. That's legalism. I don't impose my convictions on you. Let every man work out his own salvation with fear and trembling. 
I preach the word, but I don't impose my convictions. They're my convictions. And I work them out for me. Work out my salvation. But people can make fun of you. People will laugh at you. They'll do it. But he's a consuming fire. He wants it all. He wants every bit of it. God wants all of it. Say, God wants all of it. The easy and the hard. The easy. Oh, I'd never do that. But what about this? The easy and the hard. He wants the public, but he also wants the private at midnight when nobody's watching. He wants the convenient, but he also wants the inconvenient. The statement for last year was, the days of convenient Christians is over, and it's time for Christians with conviction. That's where we are. And then he wants the worst and the best of my life. He wants the good, the bad, and the ugly. He wants all of it. Aren't you glad he takes the worst of it and the best? Aren't you glad of that? Do you ever notice in the Old Testament, he said, I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. You may not know that. He never said, I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel. After he changed Jacob to Israel, he didn't say, I'm the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel. He said, I'm the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I take the worst part of you. I take the bad with the good. I take you, Jacob, you're a sneak, you're a thief, you're a liar, you're crooked as a snake. I take the Jacob in you. I am the God of the Jacob in you. I don't know about you, but that means a lot to me. He's not only the God of my good side, he's the God of my bad side. Everybody's got that Didymus, that Didymus, that Thomas, that twin brother, that evil twin that you want to hide from everybody. I'm glad he's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. <sighs> Refiner's fire. He wants it all. Pentecostal fire is about surrender. And it consumes Everything in my life. Everything. Stephen, come help me. This fire must not go out. So I've come here this morning to ask you to discover fire for the second time. My testimony. August the 3rd, 1975, 2630 South 11th Street here in Beaumont, Texas. About nine o'clock at night, I responded to an altar call. And I stood there and wept to the front of my shirt was wet, just a kid. But I didn't join a church. I was born again. The next day, Monday week, August the 11th, same altar, Monday night prayer meeting, sat down in a chair and the saints gathered around me and said, we're going to pray for you to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I already had the Holy Spirit because I was born again, but I wanted to experience that manifestation where suddenly that power is released in and through my life. And I sat down in the chair and I just began to worship. 
and they begin to pray for me. And out of my innermost being flowed a river of living water. And I discovered the fire of God. I've come here today to ask you, do you need to discover the fire of God for the second time? What were your dreams as a young Christian adult? What energizes you and gives you a sense of satisfaction? What would you do if you were guaranteed success? What would you do? What would you do and do it for free? What moves you with passion? What is your cause in life? You see again, Romans 12, Paul said, don't burn out, but keep keep yourself fueled in a flame. That's why Ephesians says, be filled with the spirit. That's a continuous work of grace, constantly being filled. You gotta fuel yourself. You gotta pour fuel on it constantly. Keep that fire burning. Don't let the wet blanket of this world suffocate that fire. Don't do it. Don't let nothing come between you and him and put it out. Don't do it. You got to keep that fuel going. You got to keep that burning. You see, because either you're going to burn up for Christ or you're going to burn out and quit. You got to ask that question, which will it be? Today, we must rediscover the fire of our passion. 2020 they may very well be remembered as the year of burnout. And this year, the church is trying to reawaken and maybe this is the time for us to rediscover the fire of our passion my childhood dreams what energizes me what brings me true satisfaction what I would do if I was guaranteed success what is it what moves you stirs you what is it it's time to rediscover the fire. Thank you for listening to the One City Church podcast. For more information about our church, visit onecity.church.